It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Brennan's View condos are presented by Irish Realty. Only a few luxury units remain. Tailgate on the Brennan's View's rooftop deck. Just steps from Eddy Street Commons and the Notre Dame campus. Take advantage of a $2,500 buyer's upgrade package through the end of November. Check out Brennan'sView.com or irishrealty.net. What is going on, Notre Dame fans? Mike Singer, Mike Goolsby, and Tim Hyde will be with us in just a moment here with uh, this week's Notre Dame football show national signing day edition and yes it is brought to you by uh Brennan's view um we definitely appreciate um the folks over at Brennan's view sponsored by Irish Realty only a few luxury units remain tailgate on the rooftop deck just steps from Eddy Street Commons in the Notre Dame campus take advantage of a $2,500 buyer's upgrade package through the end of November Brennan'sView.com all right, we got Mike Goolsby, we got Tim Hyde. Let's talk some Notre Dame National Signing Day. Um, we do have a, a very special guest to get to in a bit, uh, and that's none other than former Notre Dame quarterback um, and Irish legend Brady Quinn. So we'll hear from from Quinn on some Notre Dame recruiting topics. But Goolsby will go right to you. Kind of, I don't know how much you're able to pay attention, you know, to, today with your busy work. But uh, what what did you uh, you know take away from today so far? Um, it's, it's, it's Freeman's first year, right? And to piggyback off of this infamous semi quasi argument that yourself and Tim had a few days ago in terms of, was it a good class? Was it a great class? You know, how do we feel as a fan base, uh, going in, this is, you know, going into Freeman's first signing day and now kind of coming out of it, um, it's a little, I'm a little exhausted, Mike. I think yeah, it's nice to have it all over with. If I am, I know you are, um, but I'm a little disappointed. Um, we didn't get a five-star. He lost Keeley months ago. And it, it looks like it appears as though we've lost Peyton Bowen. Um, but I, I think overall, I think the energy that Freeman brought, I think the consistency that he brought, um, the arrow's absolutely pointing up, fellas. Um, and I th- and I think that Freeman will get better at this. You know, Mike, during that kind of argument that you had had with Tim, you would use an analogy about, you know, you're trying to pursue a 10. You're trying to pursue a, a, a beautiful woman, right? I think he'd said, you know, I'm 20 pounds overweight. You know, I tried. You know, I, I've asked her out a handful of times. I tried, and she said no. But, like – you know, I've been in sales my entire professional career. And Tim, you know, you're an ex-military football coach, very black and white. And it's like, I have to win a customer. I have to. I know I'm going to. I just haven't figured out what button to push, what question to ask, etc. But I can't fail. It's my livelihood, right? And that's where you're kind of coming from with this, Tim. So I do think 
going into, you know, recruiting cycles into the future, I think that Freeman will clean up his message and just continue to get better at it. I mean, he's still a young coach, but I think Tim, the motor, you know, coach Freeman's motor on the recruiting trail, the DNA is there. And I think it's a, it's a great kind of platform and foundation to build off of. So I'm a little disappointed, but I think there are some difference makers in the class. Namely, we have a, a modern day elite quarterback, Tim. You've got a kid with a live arm, a kid that, you know, we break down film potentially tonight that we, uh, there's some deliverables. There's things to talk about outside of his intangibles, which um, is everything. So I give it a B plus. If, if, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I give the class a, a B plus taking everything into consideration. I mean, we're an eight and four football team, Tim. Yes. You know, to pull off a top 10 class, granted it is Notre Dame, but uh, I'm proud of the work that coach Freeman put in this. These kids seem to get it, but I'll give it a B plus. But Tim, before you give sure. your rebuttal there, um, as things stand right now, as we record this Wednesday nights, Notre Dame currently is the number eight class um, per the 2023 on three consensus ranking. So that would be, believe it or not, Notre Dame's first time going back to back top 10 yeah. since 2013, 14, that 2013 class, I think was three or four in the country. And number four, and then yeah. the next year, 2014 finished 10. So for all the, Oh, this is just kind of finishing like a Brian Kelly class. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean Notre Dame hadn't done that in a, in a you know close to a decade. So I just wanted to point that out before you go, Tim. Well, let me parlay off of exactly what uh, you just said there, Mike. So Brian Kelly, between 2015 and 2021, did not have a top ten class. That's many many years in a row of no top ten classes. His highest ranked class was number eleven, and then now you have two straight years of Marcus Freeman being in the top ten. So. Yeah, it's a kick in the pants, as you and I debated last week when you lose a primetime prospect and whatnot. You know, we'll get into that down the road, but it's, you know, it, it's still some dudes in this class. I mean, I, I had a slow day at work, so I just started knocking down, you know, I started thinking about, you know, all these services that have been around for all these years, and I started looking at, okay, top 10 position rankings, top 10 position rankings. Notre Dame had 14 players that were ranked in the top 10 by at least one service in their position. So we always talk national rankings and whatnot, but let's just go to the position where they rank 14 guys. That's the most since the great class of 2013, which had 15 that were ranked in the top 10. You come from that on last year, which had 11, Brian Kelly never had that. So this is the most positional top 10 players two years in a row that Notre Dame's had since Charlie Weiss's great recruiting classes. So there's some dudes and those obviously Charlie Weiss had some guys that got Brian Kelly moving those first couple of years, you know, that he was there his first couple of years. So it is, it's still, um, I mean, you talk, you know, name, image, likeness, all these things a million times. When you really sit back and look at it for Notre Dame to finish where they are with all these dudes ahead of them, mm-hmm. SEC country, no, Notre Dame does not go into SEC country and get SEC dudes. They just have it. If they do, it's a unicorn, Kyle Hamilton, you know, or, you know, a couple here and there. It is rare, rare, rare. I posted on the message board this week. People were like, we got to get Florida. Great. You're going to get three stars. You're not going to get the dudes going to Bama and Georgia. They just haven't gotten those in a while. So for Notre Dame to be a, a Midwest, a Jersey, you know, a couple places here and there, you know, St. Louis has been great for them. 
They have back-to-back top eight classes, something that hasn't been done in since, you know, those 14 and 13 years of uh, Brian Kelly's tenure. It's, it's awesome. It really is. When you look at these players, there's a lot of elite dudes. This is the highest blue chip ratio of four stars since 2013, the highest since the Weiss era of 08. So there are some dudes in this class and people should be excited for the 24 that have signed. I, I want to you know, kind of address the elephant in the room of, of, uh, of Peyton Bowen, the five-star safety. So, uh, I mean, look, if you're a blue and gold, blue and gold.com subscriber, or, you know, you, you, you sleuth Twitter and try to get the latest on, on Notre Dame recruiting, you know, you've been following this saga and it's been absolutely nuts. Uh, I, I mean, you, you go to bed thinking one thing and you wake up there, there's something different going on. So I really thought it was going to be Notre Dame. Um, but Oklahoma was still very much, uh, on my mind as a, a potential flip. And then uh, he goes and picks up the Notre Dame hat, puts it down at his little signing day announcement ceremony. Well, I don't know what you want to call this. And then picks up the Oregon hat. <laughs> Meanwhile, his mom is about to, you know, erupt with, you know, excitement. I think it's pretty well known that Peyton's Bo- Peyton Bowen's mom is, is supports Notre Dame in this recruitment. Um, and then you see the hands over the face, you know, when it, when he, picks up the Oregon hat. Um, yeah, I've been covering recruiting for a decade. I've seen these kind of things happen, but I've never actually covered one of these before, you know, especially in my, this is my fourth <laughs> cycle cover Notre Dame. I've never seen anything like this uh, with an Irish recruit. But the thing is guys, I keep, I keep refreshing this Oregon signee page. Ain't no Peyton Bowen on this thing. Jaden Lamar yeah. finally got on there. He, he, he flipped a, a, a few uh, hours ago, which was to be expected, but, no Peyton Bowen on here. So there is still, it's in the realm of possibility that he still ends up signing with Notre Dame or Oklahoma. I, I, I throw Colorado in there, Jackson state. What about UTSA? I, I, I don't know. You any school uh, there, there's no, there's nothing you can rule out at this point. So, so I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to jump in. Go ahead. At what point, and I, I understand the fan base's frustration. I understand Oklahoma's frustration. I understand Notre Dame fandom frustration. At this point, hell, you know, you'd understand the Oregon Duck fan base's frustration. But at what point, and I've been close to like a five-star-ish type kid, you know, through my recruitment. At what point do you sort of start to feel for the kid? I mean, this kid's getting pulled in three different directions. Yeah. There's money involved. So where is he at right now? I mean, who is his – who is his circle? Is it parents, girlfriend, high school coach? I don't know. You like to think, you know, you said his mom's a big fan of Notre Dame. Most moms are. Yeah. I mean, just, it's just the way of the way of things. So who's, who's he sitting with right now? Cause he has yet to, just to clarify, Mike, he's yet to put pen to paper and sign his one year scholarship agreement to go play for the ducks. I would, I would think Tim, that he's already been, you know, committed to Notre Dame. I think like this level of uncertainty that he's having doesn't, wouldn't that pull him just kind of like instinctually, doesn't it pull him back into the Notre Dame fold? Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've always thought he was going to sign with Notre Dame. I never bought all this other stuff because he's been committed. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this, you know, the craziness Mike could get into this last weekend with the Oregon, the Oklahoma, is he going to trip to Oregon? He never did. And he stayed committed. He never decommitted, kept in contact with the coaches and as Mike's written about and everything. So he's always been committed. And I know, I know you and I, Goolsby, always like to talk about that X factor in the background. 
I always thought behind the scenes, heck, this kid's smart as could be. He's created so much damn buzz about himself. Maybe that's, has this been the plan all along in recruiting? Who knows in this day and age with, with money and, and recruiting and to get your name out there like crazy. I mean, he is the talk of. He's a household name. He's a household yeah. name. Hasn't played a snap of football yet. Yeah, exactly. I, I it's, it's crazy. So, so I think, you know, we were talking right. about in terms of like Freeman's first real class, his fingerprints are all over it. This is a learning experience for Freeman and staff, you know, so if a, if a kid, do we want to start or continue to take early commitments from high, high, high level guys? Um, is that the best practice as a football program? So they're You know, they're going to come out of this with a lot of experiential wisdom and they'll probably do things a little bit different into the future with another high profile kick. Go ahead, Mike. He Freeman made a comment about this yes. in his signing day press conference. That's what you're about to go to, Tim. Yeah. He he said it's harder to decommit than it is to commit. I'm look, I, I, I don't have the the data in front of me, but this has to be the most decommitments Notre Dame suffered in a long time. Maybe not even suffered the right way. A couple of them were kind of like, you know, the, the gentle nudges out, like, hey, we wish you the best. But it's what, seven? 70 commitments or so um that's a high number right there do want to mention um super chats we're not going to spend a ton of time on super chats but we'll just read some of these real quick before we um continue our conversation tonight um truman says uh just got home from work early birthday present happy birthday coming up soon who we signed any flips to us and surprises yeah i, I would say yeah no flips to notre dame um, and then, yeah, Jaden Lamar flipped as expected. Peyton Bowen uh, flipped his commitment, but don't know if uh, you know we, he will be flipping um, his actual signing. Uh, Joey says, top eight class. Very excited about the future of the program. Um, Mike and Mike looking sharp tonight. Joey appreciates all the super chats. He says, uh, just my opinion, Peyton Bowen bring a lot of drama to Notre Dame from the, from the whole announcement, not sending in the paperwork. I'm pretty sure the letter of intent is a DocuSign, Joey. Um, yes. So, yeah, definitely appreciate the support and the super chats. Milton Fan says, without pay to play, Notre Dame is number three class considering evolving recruiting practices. I think Mark Sherm killed it. Without him, I think no chance paid Bowen agree with you there. Um, and then um, blazing down her, we will get to your super chat a little bit later in the show. And if I forget, just please nudge me. And I, I want to, I just want to say one more thing and I'm sure, gosh, Mike, I hope we uh, fingers crossed. We come back that we circle back to Peyton Bowen. Maybe he signs his NIL with ND. We, we get some, we get some clarity here, some finality to it, but none of us, you have anything to do with this, just to be clear. So like the same people that were doing backflips when, when Peyton, Camone, Peyton Bowen committed, you know, they have people talk out of both sides of their mouth, right? They're pro Peyton Bowen. Now he's going to go elsewhere. Now they don't like the kid. Peyton Bowen doesn't owe any of us jack shit. Yeah. This is his life. This is his decision. Nobody's been in those shoes before. Again, getting pulled so many different directions. So at this point, like, you know, and again, I look at through the player's lens. I almost feel for the kid. I truly do. I truly do. He do, he doesn't strike me as, you know, a, a bad character type kid that's playing all of us, but that could be true. I mean, it's I was I was going to say real quick on that Goolsby is, you know, I've had kids in this situation that are like torn like crazy. What do I do, coach? And they're like, my mom's this, my dad's this, my uncle's this. I got 15, you know, cousins telling me to go here blah blah blah, playing this Pac-12 school whatever. And I'm like, you're the one that's going to be throwing up at 5.30 a.m. during winter conditioning. It's like, you're the one going to be getting your head kicked in. 
You're the one that if you miss a block on film session on Sunday is going to be getting chewed out. Who do you want to play for? It's like, what coach do you want to be with? Who's the one coach that you like out of these five official visits that you've been on? Where's the place that you see yourself two years from now, three years from now, getting developed? Who's going to train you the best? And I've always, I've always talked about that. Where do you want to be at 6 a.m. running, getting worked out, you know, getting your butt whipped in the winter conditioning? And, and more times than not, the kids always go, you know, with where they've always wanted to go. And it's like your mom and dad aren't going there. They're just going up for a ball game and on senior day to get a flower. So the rest of it your, is your choice. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm curious to see what Brady's got to say about that entire conversation. But I will say this, you know, if Peyton Bowen is playing, playing all of us, you know, if he's pull up there pulling, the, pulling on our heartstrings, I think one thing is damn near guaranteed, Tim, this kid's going to play as a true freshman wherever he lands. After all this drama to keep him, you know, to keep him out of that portal, that kid's almost ensuring himself perhaps a starting role as a true freshman in somebody's secondary. I think that's inevitable. I loved Freeman real, real quick on that singer is, you know, Freeman talked about this real uh, today on his, uh, you know, on his interview, his, his press conference, just, um, you know, someone talked about, you know, accusate, you know, a, you know, acquisition fees and paying and blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause if this is how, you know, this is going here and there, it's like, yeah, if these guys don't play, and they got all this hype and all that stuff. Are they going to leave after the freshman year? Just like you talked about Goolsby, just doing a quick rough estimate on what Freeman said. But he kind of talked about that. Like if you're coming here for Notre Dame because you want upfront cash, you're not coming to Notre Dame. So it was a, it was a really cool little couple minutes that uh, Freeman got into this whole issue. Oh man. Yeah. The guys, this saga has been uh, something else. There was an addition for Notre Dame today. I think it's gone very much under the radar because of all the Peyton Bowen stuff. It's Caleb Smith, the, the wide receiver from Virginia tech um, who I, I believe is the leading receiver for the Hokies this year. Yeah. And it was not a very good passing attack, but he was the bright spot. So um, that was a nice addition. Uh, Notre Dame actually got a, a preferred walk on safety who picked the Irish over Oregon State, Washington State, Utah scholarship offers. So that's uh, you know he's wow. not Peyton Bowen, but that's a that's like a five star preferred walk on. You know, like you don't get PWOs with Power Five offers. So I got to interview the young man tonight again, Luke Talek from uh, Cody, Wyoming, and he told me that he just did not want to live his life with regret of what if I did go try to 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 play for Notre Dame. Um, I just didn't want that. You know, he grew up a big Notre Dame fan, so I think that was a uh, so. Great. Are there rumblings to this this VTech receiver that we we've, we've got? Are there rumblings that there's a there's a link to Brendan Armstrong, the the quarterback that's in the portal as well? Is that a thing? Armstrong is Virginia. Virginia. I'm sorry, you're right. CTE, folks, it's real. Goolsby, <laughs> I love when you try to you know go through your little hmm, your conspiracies. Not that that would have been a conspiracy. Yeah, that would have made, yeah. made a lot of sense, but. Uh, um, yeah, hey, Caleb Smith, he's a good football player. Yeah, I mean, he's a darn good football player. Big physical receiver, like that Miles Boykin type of guy. Big, strong, Javon McKinley type guy. So he's yeah, a, he's good, a jump strong. ball kid. Yeah, what's that? I was gonna say he's kind of a jump ball kid. Fifty yeah, exactly. Ball big, physical, and uh, I think his, his interview, interview, you know, maybe Mike did or whatever. I, I saw something where he talked about Reese was watching film, and he was like, "Who the heck's this guy?" And then. So he's a senior, put him on the list. You never know. And sure enough, here he is at ND. I thought that was pretty cool. That's how it goes.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, folks, we're going to hear from Brady Quinn in uh, just a few minutes, but we will uh, continue on with a National Signing Day discussion. Um, And we'll go to Tim on this, put you on the spot. When you look at the top 10 classes here, and we'll we'll go in order um, from 1 to 10 for podcast audience, you got Alabama, Georgia, Miami went from, I think, like number 10 to number 3 in the past week. They really have shot up. Um, you got number four, Texas, five, Ohio State, six, <clears throat> LSU, seven, Oregon. They've obviously surged and have 31 players committed in their class, which is high number. You got Notre Dame there at eight. Uh, Notre Dame entered the day five. Bowen was their highest ranked player. So him decommitting obviously made a big impact. Lamar's decommitment did not really make an impact at all. Oklahoma nine and then Florida 10, uh, excuse me, 10. So Tim, when you see this, what's your reaction? Well, uh, uh, real quick, Georgia must have had a, a five-star recently because I I saw uh, earlier, just a couple hours ago, I saw that they didn't have a five-star, and they were basically just one off with Notre Dame. Like, Notre Dame's got 24 stars. Georgia's got 21. Georgia's got four three-stars. Notre Dame's got five. You know what I mean? So they're, like, right there. So here's Notre Dame class and Georgia class basically tied with fours and five-stars. And I mean, they must have just gotten a five star in the last few hours. I haven't paid attention to, I haven't been online or anything. So, but overall, it's 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 crazy because these scores are like minuscule. Yeah. They're like fractions of a of a percent, you know, which is great in the stock market. But uh, you know, when you're ranking classes, who knows? I I would like to dive into. Well, I won't dive into it because I already looked at Alabama's. You don't want to see their uh, blue chip ratio. Oh, no, 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 Tim. Let me stop you. Let me stop you. Someone Go on ahead. our message board made this chart. Oh yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, this great. is Alabama's blue chip. This is all the school's blue chip ratio, which I, means it's just the yeah. percentage of four and five star recruits you sign. So if you sign, it's eight four stars and one five star out of ten players, yeah, right? 90. That's ninety percent. Yeah. Look at. Oh yeah, someone 90. was. Yeah, someone was talking about Alabama. The I actually posted their last ten years. I was like, just don't look at this, and it's like it's ridiculous. Um, when how many dudes they get? When you look at Notre Dame, especially so this one's the score, right? The other gets that's yeah. a score, um, which we can just explain at a different time. That Notre Dame's in this little heat map is a lot different than you know a lot of these schools to the left here: your Alabama, your Georgia, your Ohio State, your LSU. It's a lot more white and red than it is green. Um, yeah, Notre well, Dame has been kind of punching above their weight level a little bit, I would say. I would let oh, yes. argue. And uh, now if you're talking about 77 and 79 are the norm for blue chip percentage rate, you know, that's pretty good. Oh, without oh, without a doubt. I mean, obviously, you, I mean – I mean, I mean, you've been around these rankings forever, Mike, and recruiting and whatnot. So many of these recruits now are down south. They just are. It's 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 huge. You know, the south and the rec- and the rankings. You know, the Midwest is 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 dipped a ton. Ohio used to be, Ohio, New Jersey. When I was growing up, and 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 Mike was as well. It's like Ohio, New Jersey were always in the top five of Division One caliber prospects illinois was always up in the upper echelon as well because chicago just crank out guys now a lot of it is is down south so yeah notre dame punching above its weight a little bit as you can see it's like well with brian kelly i mean look how many years 70 percent, by the way the guys that do these uh blue chip i forgot his his name on on the 247 network when he started this five six years ago but um 
Seventy percent is elite. Is elite. A, he's considered elite. So you got Notre Dame back to back years, elite classes. So if he just keeps working this thing, it's it's huge. Uh, Ohio State's always up there because Mike knows <laughs> it's easy to get in Ohio State. So there's you know it's very easy and it's a football school and. There's not a lot of guys have to take calculus in their freshman year to go to Ohio State, and that's. Well, I think I think there's a I think it's a couple things. It'd be fun. It'd be a fun conversation to talk about ball in the South. Yeah, and it's the, you know the speed of the game. I think there's a socioeconomic piece to it where these kids need football. We talked about that, Tim. You know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I think that's a, a big element of it, but the games played at a different pace. I think it's more important down there but in terms of those the the blue chip ranking all that green you see in georgia bam ohio state there's a direct corollary to uh first round picks oh god yeah and it's not like that's a captain obvious type statement but a top 10 player coming out of high school genetically is a first round pick that equates to being a first round pick just in terms of like they're a different animal entirely in terms of their god-given ability Right. So the more first round picks that we start to see and we start to put out, you're going to see more green in those columns. It's just the way it's just the way it goes. It's just round and round. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You get top 10 recruits. They end up in the first round. We get more of them. It's just the way it goes. Well, it goes back to Freeman. Just, you know, I, you know. I mean, people may want to be negative and stuff like that with the class. But it's like when you really wrap these first two around especially this first one, you know, it's like, it's, they're good football players in this class. And I truly, I've said it a thousand times with Singer is year two to me is, is the, is the main one where he's got his foot in the door. He's got his contact, his assistants are out there working. They got all their things. Year two, traditionally Bob Davey had a better year two. Willingham, you know, Brian Kelly. I know I truly think 2024 is going to be better than this class. I just, I just do. As they continue to work out the kinks, and you something you said something, uh, Goolsby earlier about Freeman talked about it today in his press conference where they're going to evaluate everything. Why did a kid choose Notre Dame? Why did he leave Notre Dame last second? And they're going to pound into each and you know each and every prospect that they recruited. Going back to your point of, do we want to waste our time going down to Tampa on a five star where he's got SEC country? Is it worth it, or do we go find? I, Isaiah Foskey, who is ranked 202, same type of football player, first round draft choice talent. So and he's still a blue chip, still a four star. A couple more thoughts on that. ND needs a bigger staff. We've talked about this off air, Tim. ND yeah. needs a bigger support staff in terms of finding some of those needles in the haystack and kind of verifying those needles in the haystack. And then what Coach Freeman had said today, yeah, we're going to go back once all this dust settles and we're really going to reassess ourselves and do some self-scouting and get better on the recruiting trail. Whereas in years past, specifically under Coach Brian Kelly, we would have been like, yeah, he's just not a Notre Dame guy, not a Notre Dame fit. You know, so we put that loss on the kid versus, again, putting it on ourselves as a staff to say we could have done better, we could have done something differently, ask another question, what have you. So, again – I love the accountability from Freeman. I'm yeah. so big on that. I I love it. Um, you know, and I don't think his energy has waned. I just think he's going to become a little bit more sophisticated as a recruiter. Uh, and the arrow is absolutely pointing up. I agree. All right. All right. Well, Tim, 
we'll uh, we'll get you back on the show in a little bit. Um, but yeah, me and Goolsby uh, will have a chat in, in just a few moments with a former uh, Notre Dame quarterback, Irish legend, Brady Quinn. But first, folks, let's go over and hear from our friends at Rogue Shop. Check out RogueShop.com if you have issues uh, sleeping, uh, you know, chronic pain, anxiety, stress. Look, folks, Rogue Shop sells CBD, edibles, THC, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals. There's vapes, candles, soaps, anything that you could be interested in this realm, Rogue Shop has it. They handcraft all of their topicals, um, grow all the grow their own cannabis in their manufacturing facility and all their products are made with cannabis. The website has a 24 seven chat function where customers can ask the owners anything. Visit rogueshop.com. Again, folks, that is rogueshop.com. And when you use uh, promo code bloom and gold, that'll get you 10% off your order. Uh, again, folks, rogueshop.com uh, use that promo code bloom and gold. All right, let's go ahead and uh, bring in, former Notre Dame quarterback, Brady Quinn to the show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bring in former Notre Dame quarterback, Irish legend Brady Quinn to the show. Brady, really appreciate you joining us to talk some Notre Dame football recruiting and all things really Notre Dame football. But definitely want to start with the quarterback of the class, the Fighting Irish signing four-star Kenny Minchie from the Nashville area. All-American quarterback, someone I know you're familiar with, uh, Brady, and watching his tape. Just, you know, when you watch his film, what do you think the Irish are getting here, Brady? Uh, well, one, a very, you know, polished passer, extremely accurate. Some of the downfield throws, as you see right there, um, a guy who I think could really operate well within Tommy Reese's offense. Uh, but he's also some escapability, some, some kind of that uh, creativity that you need to extend plays and make plays now in today's game. You know, it's such, so much more of a spread out game. And you've got to have the ability to improvise at times and, and throw under duress. But there's another example of just the kind of the downfield throwing game, which uh, he seems to excel at, you know, at least at the call or at the high school level. And we'll see how that uh, transfers into the college level. But uh, again, a guy who I think, you know, you go back, you watch these kids nowadays come out of high school and, you know, ghouls, I'll be curious to see what your thoughts are. I just, there's so much more prepared like than I was like, I, I go back Wild. and sometimes see some of the table, like, gosh, I was so raw. I needed more, you know, coaching and technique and, and fundamentals and things. And these kids just come ready to play. I mean, like the last thing you're really concerned about, is their their fundamentals their throwing motion like any of that it actually now is is because of the way spread offenses are, are taught at the high school level and that 
is pretty much what dominates a lot of these um, these high school offenses. It's more teaching them football. It's like teach them like verbiage. It's teaching them fronts and coverages and all those things, and, and maybe even how to read stuff differently than what they were taught previously. So it's almost more of the mental approach to the game than it is the actual physical. Brady, when you were coming out, did you have a uh, a quarterback coach or anything like that at the high school level? Yeah, so I worked with an old Ohio State quarterback, uh, Greg Fry, if, if you remember the name. And okay. he had ended up taking a head coaching job at, I believe, Bexley around the time that I was uh, entering into entering into college. But I'd worked with him probably starting in junior high and then making my way up into into the college ranks in the high school uh, the tough thing for me was I was I was a pitcher, I was a catcher, I was a quarterback. So you, you kind of had this variety of throwing motions that that you were trying to kind of I guess technically tune up about you know half the year. You know, obviously your your pitching motion is incredibly different than anything else you do uh, with a football. Your 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 you know throwing as a catcher is much more similar to what you're going to be asked to do as a quarterback. But once I started to get six three, six four had long legs, man, it got hard on my knees. And I was just like, I'd rather play like pitch outfield DH when I get the opportunity. So, um, you know, it was helpful, but even at that time, you know, some of these kids have specialized now to the point where when they're in elementary school, you know, they're getting that sort of tutelage early on and, and they've got that motion ironed out from the, by the time they hit high school. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned your long legs. I, I, long legs. I can remember going back to you were under center with Johnny Sullivan. Oh man. You know, you're asked to grass trying to get that snap. But, well, uh, that's because he had the shortest legs for anyone who's six foot three in the history of the world. I mean, I will never forget. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, you know, if, if he was like 200 yards away from you, he, he looked like a small man. Like he looked like he wasn't six foot three because of how short his legs were and long his torso. And then as he walked up towards you, like, oh, this is a big human being. But yeah, I'll never forget. That was the first thing I think Charlie Weiss did. When he got there, he was like, Sullivan, you got to change your stance. You got to stop squatting down so low. You have to get your butt up. So yes, a that, that helped what, me a ton. What we used to call him the world's tallest little person. You know? Yes. <laughs> I, believe, I believe at one point that was mentioned in the locker room at some point. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I mentioned the quarterbacks coaching because it's like, you know, I'm 40 years old, Brady, right? So I came out 20 plus years ago and in that era of quarterbacking, you wanted that statuesque, kind of that beautiful fluid throwing motion. And any more, and you mentioned kind of that escapability, that aspect of uh, modern football. Yeah. Like if you're statuesque in that pocket, I mean, you almost can't play the position anymore. It's like teach the kid the fundamentals of, of coverages and reads and then let that athletic ability take over. And I think you see a lot of that with uh, with Minchie. Well, even the different arm angles and, and off-platform totally. throws. I mean, those are things that are now taught. I mean, I, I, I like I recall working on a three, five, seven step drop, understanding how to throw with timing and anticipation in certain routes. Nowadays, you're looking at guys who don't even have their feet set. And they're making throws like right here, for example, kind of drifting and throwing downfield almost across his body. I mean, those are things these young men practice now and they're taught. And, and by the way, I'm not saying that you know I'm not a proponent of that. I think I think when you practice some of that, then it doesn't become foreign in a game, and you realize like, oh, I can do this if the situation calls for it. So I'm all for it. You know, that's kind of being a gamer and being a player. And I think a lot of you know what's being required or asked of the quarterbacks at this level now has a lot to do with again the game being more spread out. But honestly, a lot of times just the fact that the offensive line isn't able to hold up quite as well. I mean, the athletes across from you on defense are so much better and faster than they've ever been that I think offensive linemen are at a huge disadvantage, and especially when 80% of the time they're moving lateral or backwards instead of downfield, and they're not being as offensive as they should be and running the football like they used to back in the day. 
which is one of the, honestly the differences I think you see in Notre Dame, right, with the way they try to run the football and how Harry Houston and Tommy Reese like to implement um, the ground game is bring back that physicality and teach those guys how to prepare for the NFL. And it's one of the reasons why I think you look at a guy like Kenny Minchin, you go, why is Notre Dame an easy sell as a quarterback? Because we run an NFL-style system. You're mm-hmm. going to be prepared to play in the NFL as you go through Notre Dame, aside from the education and everything else that comes along with that. Sure. Yeah, I think so much of it comes down to, like you had said, I mean, there is no platform to throw off of. And some of this comes down to God-given gifts. Like, you've got to have that live arm to throw off that back foot. But, yeah, um, Brady, building off the quarterback position, you know, were you quite a five-star coming out of high school? I mean, you were up there, right? I was a okay, high four-star, we'll call it. What is it with Notre Dame you know, being X number of years removed from the program what is it about us in, in recruiting the quarterback position? Maybe it was a Brian Kelly era thing. Why haven't we, in your, through your purview, like why haven't we been able to land a, a Dante Moore type high five star, you know, just elite quarterback? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think there's a number of things, right? Like you have to be looking for the right combination of things as a quarterback. Um, you know, everyone values different things. You know, for for me, it was football at the highest level, education, all those things. Uh, I do think there. You know, Kenny Minchie's a kid who obviously values that. You know, you look at guys um, like CJ Carr, who's committed for the 2024 class, right? Uh, a Michigan man, his grandfather recruited me at Michigan. Uh, he sees the value in, in Notre Dame and everything else that comes along with that. And he's a stud, right? Both these guys. So it, it just takes, you know, maybe a different approach to it where what you see with how Marcus is recruiting Kenny or how he's recruiting CJ uh, you know, as the head coach, as compared to what was done before with Brian Kelly. I mean, you know, the the things that seemed to circulate was the fact that, you know, he wouldn't have been out there like Marcus Freeman's been uh, right after the season ends in, in between bowl game and all that out there recruiting his tail off, you know, seeing every single commitment, every single guy that just wasn't something that he was going to do or even did. So, um, you know, there, there's a big difference there. I think when you have that personal connection as a head coach with your quarterback, because you are the two that are really ultimately going to either make or break or handle the adversity that comes along with being the quarterback and being the head coach in Notre Dame. It's, it's really those two positions that seem to get the most attention and focus. So, um, you know, I, I can't speak for what happened and why not over Brian Kelly's time there. I have the utmost respect for Tommy Reese and his scheme and, and how he is able to scheme to get guys open and find ways of maximizing the strengths of a lot of the guys on the roster. Uh, it's something where, you know, you, you, I get to go to the combine as part of my work that I do for Fox and CBS. And, you know, you talk to some of the, the coaches there in those circles and they love Tommy. They love Notre Dame guys, especially you talk about offensive guys who are coached the right way or in the right system that they can immediately plug in and play and they know what to expect. So, um, you know, I, I think for any quarterback out there, you'd, you'd want to look at Notre Dame and say, this is going to prepare me in every facet, playing in bad weather, playing in some of the toughest competition and independent schedule, all of that. And the national focus and attention. I mean, this is no disrespect to the Cleveland Browns, but I remember getting to Cleveland and thinking like, this is the NFL, but I felt like my press conference during the week in Notre Dame were, were bigger, at least in more of a national perspective as far as the attention we got. Yeah, in your era, no doubt. <laughs> Uh, how do you look at college football now? Do you still, is there a part of you that looks at it through the lens of a player or have you completely moved over to the dark side and do you look at it through a, through the lens of the media? I look at it as, I mean, I have to professionally look at it through the lens of the media. I do look at it as through the lens of a father. You know, that's what I am now. I look at it through the lens of, 
an almost 40 year old man, right? I'm 38 year olds, years old now. And um, I, I think I look back on all of my experience as a, a player who got to the NFL and played for, you know, going into eight seasons and, you know, getting into all of that. I, I kind of look back on it now with a, a perspective of valuing, I think, what Notre Dame stands for after football more than ever. And I think the older I get, the more I appreciate that. Uh, as a parent, the more I appreciate that. You know, I get to travel to different college campuses every single week from my job at Fox with Big Noon Kickoff. And, you know, you get to see a lot of pretty places, a lot of special places, um, you know, different schools, and they have different ways of doing it. And I just, I always think back on my time in Notre Dame and think it's so unique. It's so different. It's so special uh, in comparison to everywhere else I've been. So I, I look at it from that perspective. I, I think the the problem is right now, we're operating college football like a professional sport, but we don't want to acknowledge that, especially now with NIL, especially with the transfer portal, which to me, you know, creating two windows, that's a step in the right direction. But being able to have the ability to transfer in an unlimited capacity is absurd. I mean, JT Daniels is going to be on his fourth <laughs> school now playing at Rice. I mean, with the additional year of eligibility from COVID that some of these guys had just all, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it, it really is ridiculous um, to think that there is just no more true commitment. It seems like it's a year by year thing. And I, I think it's going to test which programs have the most culture and have the best foundation built to be able to not be in, in, in enticed to want to go to the portal every single year to recruit a roster. Cause you're bringing in, you know, some guys who obviously want to be there and play there, but by and large, you know, maybe for the wrong reasons. And so I, I just look at where we're at and I think we need more framework. I hate the fact that the NCAA who now has at least tabbed their next president is, is going to look to the federal government to figure it out. It's like, okay, that's fine. But once you create law, then you're going to create lawsuits, right? Because with that, people are going to challenge whatever law is created. And, and, and so it just becomes more convoluted. It comes to be more difficult to really figure out that path. Um, but I do think from the player's standpoint, it's a step in the right direction. Name, image, and likeness is something that, you know, everyone's been taken advantage of for a long time at the college football level. And it's sad that the NCAA, unfortunately, didn't have the foresight and the leadership to see this coming and do a better job of preparing everyone for, I think, where we're headed in the next five, maybe 10 years. Brady, I really want to get in the NIL. so. And through your perspective, kind of twofold question, when NIL was created, A, Brady, what was it supposed to be? And then beyond that, what has it turned into? Yeah, I, I think the initial thought to NIL was more along the lines of what you see with Olympic athletes. And this is something that I've gotten a chance to know pretty well. Um, my wife obviously was in the 2008 Olympics and she originally was competing at Brown University before she ended up coming back out of retirement to 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 go train for the Olympics. So um, or it's for that 2008 Olympics. And and, and you kind of look at the Olympic model and you say, well, well, why were these, you know, why were these individuals not able to profit off their name, image and likeness for marketing money, but yet still compete at the collegiate level, even though they're representing our country? Like it just it really never made any sense. And for some of them, like Jeremy Bloom, who I got uh, close yep. to back during my time training in the NFL, and, and we were both playing in the NFL, um, you know, he was like, dude, I couldn't afford to, to be an Olympic mogul skier and a, and a world championship mogul skier and not take some of these dollars. Like skiing's expensive. And by the way, 
gymnastics is expensive. You know, they'll pay for your athlete to go over. They'll they'll maybe even help out with the parents, but that's or excuse me, the parents let me get paid for. You know, like they have to pay their own way. So imagine some of these trips where they're competing in Beijing or they're over, you know, somewhere in Europe. And, and this is happening every year. It's an expense that's hard for a lot of parents to endure. And so I, I think that was the initial intent to be able to help student athletes, you know, take advantage of the platform that they've created for themselves and make some additional capital. I, I think what the problem is it's not NIL, it's the transfer portal. And it's the fact that we don't have a governing body and we don't have any rules in place to, you know, limit uh, tampering, right? Where you have coaches who are, for example, offering a player on a, on a roster after a game, a million dollars to come over and play for that school. You know, I mean, that, that kind of stuff is going on right now and it's nuts. And it's because these coaches feel emboldened because what's the recourse? There is no wild, wild west. It's wild, wild west. So hypothetical Brady, yeah, you knock off Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh's coach comes over to you. Hey, Brady, great game. Hey, by the way, we got a million dollars waiting for you. Brady, what does that mean? When they say, oh, a million dollars, Peyton Bowen's getting $2 million. Step-by-step step, logistically, as much as you can say or as comfortable saying, what yeah. does that mean? It means absolutely nothing. Okay. Like, I can I can assuredly tell you it means absolutely nothing. Go ask Jordan Addison if he was happy last year when he got to USC and what was promised to him and what ended up being the case. Got it. Um, you know, that's that's one player in particular that I think it's it's interesting that current events right now with Pat Narduzzi being very open about Drake May, who's not his quarterback, right? Drake May, the quarterback in North Carolina, has been offered $5 million from a couple of teams that he's making very aware. Huh. You know, you kind of sit back and wonder, well, who are those teams? Like, who's losing a quarterback to eligibility or the NFL draft that would maybe be looking to lure over a quarterback who's going to be the first or second pick in the 2024 draft in Drake May. Hmm. Wonder who that could be. And, and look, I'm not saying it's necessarily the football programs. It could be the collectives that are tied into that. The problem is just, there's, there's no real checks and balances as to how to limit that stuff or eliminate that. And by the way, I'm not naive enough to say that doesn't happen to the NFL level. We talked about the combine earlier. You get agents who walk around all the time. They have to go talk to a team. Oh, guess guess what? Uh, a guy who's going to be a free agent coming up happens to be in Indianapolis, you know, because, you know, St. Elmo's is a great steakhouse. We all know that. That cocktail sauce, boy, it's hot. Just who happens to bump into his agent who happens to be talking to a team that might be interested in him in free agency, right? Like, it happens in the NFL all the time. It's just – it's very rarely caught, and they have rules in place to really penalize you if you do get caught. You know, you'd like to see that stuff in the college football world, but it's just going to be so hard to govern. I mean, you're talking about, you know, thousands of student athletes and hundreds if not thousands of coaches that could be potentially doing this at any point in time. And, and there's all types of different ways they're doing it. So to, to go back to the initial question, what does it mean? Absolutely nothing. You know, for some of these collectives, they're probably, at least from what I understand, um, they're offering these kids guarantees, illegal. They're offering these kids signing bonuses, illegal. Um, they're offering them opportunities to earn money off their NIL, which there's nothing wrong with that. But how it's stated within the NCAA guidance is you have to do the work in order to get paid. And if you're getting a signing bonus or even an advanced payment, that's that's not how this is structured. Mm -hmm. so the other wiggle room or, or way around it that some uh, is happening out there with some places is, you know, agencies are signing up these kids and they're giving an advancement. And then they're kind of backloading in some of these, you know, other deals or corporate sponsorship and NIL deals they're finding for them after the fact. Um, just to entice them to be a part of it. And that's something that's, um, you know, supposed to be forbidden even at the NFL level, but, you know, in, in the recruitment for draft prospects. But 
again, that stuff's been going on for a while now. It's just trickling now down to the college football level. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that you can't necessarily pay a kid that. You just have to be able to have it structured in the proper way that abides by the NCAA guidance as well as the state law until there's federal law. And it's got to be enforced, yes. Um, uh, well, I mean, you've got to have your checks and balances for it. Like, you've got to have your compliance. You've got to be paying taxes on that money. That, that's one of the things, too, is like a lot of these young men don't understand. You know, when someone offers you a million bucks, two million bucks, guess what? You, you cut that in half. You're now in the top top, top tax bracket. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, say, say a little to the federal government. So um, that that's one thing too that I think is kind of you know misunderstood in all of this is just the educational piece to this, not only for the player but their parents as well. Naturally, and I think yeah. the the three letters that should be more important to these young men than NIL is NFL, and that's really where they're going to make life changing, generational changing money not with NIL money. Like that's not going to change their life. That's just going to make them comfortable. That's going to help out their family or whatever issues they're doing and, and, and allow them to be able to, you know, make some money off of that at the college level. But some of the valuations you see out there online are wildly, wildly um, overvalued, thrown around, I think for more clickbait and to serve whatever entity that is, whether it's a website or something else to serve their best interest. Got it. We got you for, for a few more minutes. So we're on. We're coming to you on signing day. If you were to give like your average a top three hundred player, Brady coming out, um, you know, Uncle Uncle Brady, what would your your advice be to a kid coming out and when he's trying to make in in the gold rush kind of NIL era? What's your advice? I'd be weary, and this is no different than when I was being recruited, right? Like the thing that attracted me, or one of the things that kind of sold me on Notre Dame, outside of the education and the feeling when I got there and, and all that, was. You know, Tyron Willingham was honest with me. He didn't guarantee me anything. The only thing he said to me was, the only guarantee I'll ever make to you is you'll have a chance to compete to start. And I was like, man, that's the most honest thing anyone said to me this entire process. Hmm. And I felt like, you know, he built that trust with me. I think that's one thing that Marcus has been doing with, with a lot of the guys he's recruiting. He's building that trust. He's not blowing hot air. He's not offering them a bag full of money, all this stuff. Like none of that's none of that's being thrown out there. I think it's it's real, it's genuine. It's one of the reasons why the team was so excited when they hired him. So, you know, my advice to and it's not just the players, it's the parents out there. It's, you know, prioritize, you know, what you want most, not what you want right now. And and so what you want most is for your kid to have a chance to go play in the NFL, be developed to go play in the NFL, have a chance for them to win a national championship, have a chance for them to be able to receive a top, you know, top of the line education. Notre Dame does all those things. And then also, if you if you excel, if you succeed, you're going to be able to make a lot of money off NIL in Notre Dame. There's nowhere like Notre Dame. There's nowhere with the national exposure. So all those things are going to be out there for you as well. But that really can't be the driving force, in my opinion. And I think if it is, then you've, you're going to find yourself potentially back in the transfer portal. You're not going to be able to build up that foundation to rely on later on in life. And, you know, a, an alumni network, a group of friends, like all those things, that support system that I think you're going to need, whether you go on and have a successful career in the NFL or not. Um, you know, that's, that's way more important. It's hard to put a value on that, but it's way more important than I think anyone understands. Brady, uh, last thing before we get you out of here, what have you seen from Marcus Freeman on the recruiting trail? You know, large part of him being hired was because of the recruiter he is. What have you thought in his first full cycle so far? He's present. I mean, really, he's, he's present. He's out there. He's showing face. You see him like time and time again. He's in living rooms left and right. Um, you know, I, I, I sit there and just marvel at, you know, the ability to do that. Obviously, just coming off of a season, preparing for a bowl game, having all of that, 
yet you're still out there recruiting, having these conversations, getting to know these young men who are eventually going to come play for you. Not everyone can say they're able to do that, you know, the same way he is. In fact, I don't think we could say that with our previous head coach. So, you know, the way he's been able to do it to me has been the most, you know, impactful thing. Like there's no more valuable asset on this planet than time. And he's taking time away from his family, away from everything else to spend it with these recruits and show them how much he cares. All right. That's former Notre Dame quarterback, Brady Quinn. Really appreciate you joining the show. Thanks for having me on guys. Go Irish. All right. There you had Brady Quinn talking. Mike Goolsby, what'd you think about our time talking with uh, Mr. Quinn? Just good to catch up with Brady. He was a teammate of mine a couple of years behind me at school. Um, I can't tell you how proud I am to know the guy. I mean, Brady's just one of those like exceptional type people. I can see Michael Mayer, you know, post football being in kind of that role. Uh, I'm grateful for Brady for being such an advocate for Notre Dame and being, he's not bashful about it either. Uh, kind of goes to, goes to war for ND in the media. And I, I love that. And I'm very grateful for him. So it's good to catch up with him. And um, I missed a call from another former teammate today that I'd like to kind of bring back into the Notre Dame fold, big fan favorite. So hopefully we'll do more of this in the future. So first of many, hopefully. Tim. Yeah. Just listen to, I mean, awesome interview just, but just listen to Brady. It, I mean, the first thing I started thinking about is why Marcus Freeman got hired. I just kept thinking about that the entire interview and, and then right at the end of what Brady had to, to say, and, you know, it's talking about cult, he brought up the word culture. Marcus Freeman's trying to build that. He's building trust out there on the recruiting circuit with, you know, players and families and things of that nature, even with his own team. I think, um, you know, that's going back to Drew Pine, right? He was honest and open with Drew Pine, like, hey, we're going to bring a, a guy in, another quarterback. So you're hearing those things. And then I'm sitting here taking some notes. Culture, I love what Brady Quinn said about the NFL is where your money's at, not NIL, not, you know, signing autographs down at the local, you know, liquor store is not the key, you know, working at the, you know, the, the YMCA or wherever, you know, the cool things like that. It's no, I mean, if a guy gets a $500,000 check, is he going to get it as soon as he shows up? As Brady Quinn says, there's so much, you know, crap that's going on out there. It's ridiculous, but I love that. And it goes back to, I mean, I feel like, I mean, literally I just wrote this down the night we all talked about when Marcus Freeman got hired. I wrote, you know, he's a former five-star cut by the NFL, gets it, played at the highest level, you know, Ohio State, played for two national championships. And it's almost like, you know, the more I, you know, you know going back to Marcus Freeman's press conference today, I had a chance to listen to it real quick. And it's like, he does get it. And Brady Quinn mentioned that, like, he understands all these things because he's lived that life. And he's like, take it from me, listen to me. And then lastly, just goes right back to the, the class this year. You know, we sure they lost out on some guys. There's a couple of big position hits. I feel that they didn't get, but they got a lot of dudes, man. They got 80% blue chip in this crazy era. They got dudes, as you know, Mike, that have a lot of SEC offers that could have went to SEC schools and they're going to Notre Dame. And I think it's from what Brady Quinn talked about that trust factor. Yeah. Um, talking about Freeman's class and kind of talking about Freeman as a recruiter, I made some notes like, and I think actually Mike, you and I got a super chat last time you and I were together and somebody asked like, 
what is the biggest difference between Freeman's first class to classes prior to Kelly's classes? And I was like, let me put a pin in that. It was a great question. My answer, when I really look at these kids, Tim, when you really dive into their film, these kids compete their asses off, right? I mean, it's just a different level of compete. I hit up Drake Bowen on Twitter, just like, hey, man, congrats. Big fan of yours. Love your film. Love the way you play in particular. You know, they're a little bit, these kids are a little bit more showy, a little bit more boisterous. Uh, and that's, I really think that's, that's something that we need to really heavily sprinkle over our football culture um, and that kind of brotherhood that Coach Kelly had created. You're getting more badasses in kids that kind of know it and kids that kind of show it. I can't wait to see that sort of show itself on the field in, in, in future Saturdays. But that's a big difference for me is like kids play harder. Kids are a little bit more competent. Um, and then traditionally speaking, Tim, those wouldn't be, you know, Notre Dame fits, right? Uh, we, you know, Brian Kelly, a lot of times is recruiting choir boys. It's like these kids can do the homework. They come from good families. They've got great backgrounds, et cetera. And by the way, they'll kick your teeth in. Uh, and I'm here for it. I, you can just see it with this class. Yeah. Let's get to a few super chats real quick. Um, Shy Sandman, really sorry we couldn't get to your uh, your super chat while uh, Brady was with us, but definitely su- appreciate the support. And, and either you guys have any comments on Notre Dame's NIL program for me? I think it's always going to develop. I think I think the way Notre Dame approached it with that fund fund program was what NIL is intended to be. Yeah. Um, each kid on the team gets a certain dollar amount, but they have to go out and earn it in the community. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think the kids will grow from it. I think the actual players grow from it um, by serving the community. So I think that's a really solid base. I don't know if it'll get kicked into overdrive, fellas, until we start to get outpaced in terms of like the football field. Like, I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but like, look at, look at the top 10 uh, list this year versus last year. So Texas A&M was throwing money at kids. They're not even in the top 10 this year. They were number one last year. Right. So if, if if they had had great success, if NFL, if NIL is proven to just throwing bags of cash works and wins championships, I think Notre Dame will get a little bit more dangerous with it, but the framework that they have now is great. Uh, but like anything else, it's going to continue to evolve. Andrew Gilmore said, Tim, who's the best QB in the class, Arch Manning, Nelson, or Dante Moore? Andrew, really appreciate the super chat. Tim, what do you think? Oh, I've I've said all along I'm I'm a Nelson fan. I just he's a stud. Nothing like a giant tall quarterback that could throw 80 yards. I love him. Yep, that's the five-star quarterback going to USC. Andrew, really appreciate um the super chat. Shy Sandman again says um, are high-profile decommits bad PR? Did Kelly have something with not overreaching? So, yes, it's bad PR, I think, if, for for 15 minutes until yeah. it just passed up in the news cycle. I think what he's asking, did Kelly have something with not overreaching? That's what I've been talking about ad nauseum since I've been on air here, is that, yeah, Kelly wouldn't go, wouldn't step outside of his comfort zone to go after an elite five-star type kid. Whereas even if Freeman, who was that running back that we brought up, Tim from Florida, came on a visit, Richard something. Richard you know, Young. Richard Young. So in, in, in no way, no way in hell. No way. Brian Kelly even, even sent that kid a text message and we got an athlete like that to campus. I mean, I bet my life savings on it that Brian Kelly would have done that. So, 
Got an OV. Five OVs. They got one of his five officials. It was really impressive. I love it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what the question is asking with not overreaching. And, yeah, it was was Kelly who didn't want to get out of his comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what I'm talking about. He's recruiting. He's recruiting kids that uh, whose parents belong to country clubs. And yeah, that's, that's who Kelly was comfortable with. And it's like, now we're really starting to mix it up. Um, and again, it's get kids with a little bit of fire in their guts. I, I love this discussion. I want to pop up Charles Jagasaw. This is um, Notre Dame has to land Charles Jagasaw every single year, right? They have to, the Charles Jagasaws and the Drake bones of the world. You're super nice. Midwest kids, high academic. Great interviews for you. Great interviews for me. Love these kids to death. Notre Dame has to land them. And, and for the people talking about no five stars, I mean, on three does have them as a five star. So I will say that on, at least on three has sure. one Notre Dame recruit listed as a I'll five say star. this about Charles Jagasaw. One of my favorite players in the class, future first round pick. Um, just, I mean, just like, again, Tim, like when I'm evaluating kids, like a kid with a big, thick neck like that, you know, he's going to be comfortable with contact. You know, he's put time in the weight room. Um, I don't know what, if a kid like Jagasaw doesn't go to a lot of rivals camps or ESPN camps, you know, he doesn't do the camp circuit that's going to affect his ratings. But in terms of his film offensively and defensively, this is a five-star kid. Yeah. It yes. hasn't affected it according to the on threes. The number he's been the number one tackle for a while. I mean, so how could he yeah. not be a five star? It's ridiculous. That I mean, I think this kid could play early as a. I think he will play early as a guard, and then I think eventually he'll kick out to tackle Tim. But I mean, this kid could play defense just because of the size and like the flexibility, the athleticism. I love him. Um, I'm just laughing because his Phil. He's just. I mean, that's going back to like competition. He's the ultimate competitor because. He competes his butt off. Look at wrestling. He's never lost in wrestling, right? I, th- I think uh, the last couple of years, uh, state champion. He's a freak. He is a competitive monster, if you want to say that. You know, he is, he gets after it. He's the, he's one of the meanest dudes you've seen on film. So, you know, you brought up that, Goolsby. I know you and I were texting about that this past week about some of these dudes that just jump out on film, how just violent they are, violent and just their physicality, point of attack, their aggressiveness. You know, you mentioned Drake Bowen. You know, you've been chatting with him on Twitter. I mean, that guy's a two-way guy. He never comes off the field. It's incredible. You know, it really is incredible. The, yeah, the Buckus Award winner for high school. So it's like, how the heck is he not a five-star? Wasn't he before? And he's dropped in everything, which makes no sense. He's an elite baseball player, Mike Singer knows, right? He's, he's He has, like, major league baseball talent. So com- that means you are a monster competitor. You know, so my favorite we're, player. We're gonna spin, sorry, go ahead. go ahead, buddy. No, go for it. No, I was just gonna. Uh, another one, real quick, off the top of my head is just is Christian Gray. I just I love that guy. I mean, that guy, and he's falling a little bit in the rankings, and he's a stud. In you know, playing in one of the high, you know, hottest levels in uh in the country down there in the St. Louis Catholic. So a stud. Well, when we when we spin through some, let's get some semblance of order here, gentlemen. Sorry. So before we put up, before we move on past Charles. My notes, I said nimble, thick neck, and he's a bully to bully. your point, Tim. Yes. I said he's barrel, he's barrel chested with an ass. So hear me out, Tim. You're a football coach. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Natural power. And I and my fun comp when I go through these, they're fun comps, right? Is Blake Fisher. I think in that uh the athleticism there, I think Charles has better feet than Blake does. But Blake is probably just a, a slightly just bigger kid. I mean, Blake is a mountain of a man. 
Um, but uh, yeah, that that's kind of my fun comp for Charles Jagosaw. I, I I don't know how he doesn't play early. I just I just don't. You know, I think he's in he's in some sort of a rotation. Should be starting as a sophomore. I mean, he's there, dude. He's there. Yeah. A, a real quick, a real quick on that. I actually, I, I went back 20 years on a, with all the rankings, looking at the offensive line rankings. Charles Jagasaw is the third highest ranked O-line in these rankings. You got Sam Young, who went in the NFL, was top 10. You got Tommy Kramer's in the NFL now. Jagasaw, and then the next two behind him in the rankings, Quentin Nelson, Blake Fisher, the five hmm. highest ranked Notre Dame linemen in the last 20 years. So you know, I'd say that's, Sam, that's five Sam. dudes right there. Sam Young was more of a tactician. I don't think Sam yeah. Young was a killer in the way that Charles is. No, not like we can, Charles. We can move on, Mike. I, I maybe spend five minutes on a kid, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I just wanted to bring up Jagasaw and Bowen to say, like, these are recruits that Notre Dame should, like, typically win. But for I, I do feel like for Notre Dame to take the next step, they got to get a kid who fits Notre Dame's profile. But, like, typically the SEC goes out and gets them over Notre Dame, and to me, the perfect example is Jeremiah Love. Outstanding student. I talked to his dad this week, and he's like, listen, Texas A&M came after him even after he committed to Notre Dame, but this, my son is so excited about his studies at Notre Dame. To have a – like Charles Jagusaw is a, a sweet Midwest kid who's just Notre Dame through and through. Jeremiah Love has got a little bit more dog in him, also a very nice young man and a very smart young man. But, like, Jeremiah Love looks like an SEC running back, right? So, Jeremiah Love is the perfect example for me of a player who Notre Dame's ceiling as a program increases because of Marcus Freeman and the staff. They can now go get Jeremiah Love. That's – I think this is kind of the blueprint. For no, me. I Mike, that's a great that's a great segue there. And I put cut the film on. But, yeah, I, uh, I agree. Yeah, this isn't a kid that, historically speaking – for a number of reasons, Notre Dame wouldn't have went after as hard. But, yeah, with Freeman and his charisma, the confidence, the energy, you land them. So I'd love to see this kid film, this kid's film. The fun comp for me here, fellas, Tim, I watched the film like two, three times. The first time, I'm like, not so much the first couple clips. There's a clip at 1.30 after the first two runs. But I, I see Adrian Peterson, and these are fun comps, folks, right? It's just having fun. Chit chat and football, right? Oh, but yeah. uh, I see Adrian Peterson, and then I watched it the second, third time, and I'm like, he's kind of a hybrid of Adrian Peterson and uh, Kamara, Alvin Kamara. Like he he makes it look so easy, like a Kamara does, but he runs competently, kind of like an Adrian Peterson. I, I put when he runs the ball, he looks like LeBron taking it to the rim. I mean, just yeah. like the the level of determination in terms of the way his his running style is. But yeah, this kid's elite. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mike saw him live this year. I know Mike sent me some video clips of him uh, when he went down there. That was a heck of football. That was a lot of Division One talent on that game Mike went and watched. He, he He's an SEC running back. I, to me, I mean, Josh Adams was an SEC running back, but, man, he looks like the way Josh Adams ran in 2017 behind that great uh, offensive line. This kid would run circles. Had. Run that back, Mike. Look at him. Josh Look at him. Adams was stiffer than a board. Josh Adams, no, but, he could, but he could take off and run in some yeah, of his well, he's running through, zones. You know, four yard. Yeah, this kid would run circles around. Josh, Josh Adams can't do that. That dead leg, that's rare. No, but I'm just talking about some of these. When he runs outside zone, he looks like Josh Adams was a stud in 2017. 
That's what he reminds me of there. But no, your I love the Kamara one, the way he runs and has that wiggle like Alvin Kamara. Most definitely. I really like that. Yeah, the stop and start, the ability to drop his weight. Well, uh, this, well this goes back just real quick on, on this on this year's offense. You know, I know everyone loves Estime and Diggs and stuff like that. They have zero, zero big runs this year. This offense, Notre Dame's got to plod and plod and plod. They don't have a dude that takes it. And, you know, I hate to use it as an example, but you watch Michigan when they boat raced Ohio State, it was because they had running back. They had Edwards, the guy who could cut, break it, and go one-on-one. And that's what Reese and Freeman have talked so much about when they run inside zone and duo, and it's block on block and block and kickouts with the tight end. It's going to come down to the running back making a one-on-one move with the DB. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame does not make those plays this year. They just have not. Yeah. He's a freak show. Yeah. yeah. Look at this is this. I mean, you're just watching somebody that's physically gifted. It's, it's just, they're gifted. Yes. Yeah. I want to see if I can find some of his uh, senior film. I was at the game. I they, couldn't find it, Mike. They played SLU. So yeah, here this is the game I was at. That's the Ryan Wingo school, right? This is, this is so this is just single game. So yeah, this is yeah. Uh, against Ryan Wingo's. So a, much uh, talent out there. It's crazy. Receiver, yeah, and Jeremiah McClellan is a 2024 receiver who is very good fl- friends with Love. But the, I mean, this run was just That's, that. Adrian, so Peter, Adrian Peterson. No, no, Adrian uh, Peterson. Yeah, yeah, AP or uh, yeah, or, or Marshawn Lynch. There, where am I at? There's old singer, but I just the measurables like the height, the length. He's a slightly yes. bow legged. I mean, he just reminds me of Adrian Peterson. It just does. I, Here's um, a great side note. Probably a good bit of people don't know this. He doesn't yeah, have much on. wear and tear. No, he I mean, Drake Bowen ran the ball twice. I think about two and a half times more than Jeremiah Love. Bowen mm-hmm. had something like 240 carries. Love, I believe, only barely eclipsed like a hundred. Yeah. So they had two other really good running backs at CBC. Yeah. So I think at times Love was probably frustrated. Like, why am I not getting the ball more? And, of course, they're blowing it's, out teams. But still, the, he's sharing the rock a lot. But it's a it's a blessing, honestly, that he doesn't have a ton of wear and tear on his body. Do you think that's re- a real thing, Mike? Or is it like, ah, it's not a big deal? Singer, rewind that back 20 seconds. Look at this stiff arm in the box. It's just holy moly. Uh, but hey, uh, real quick on that singer, when he committed, remember, we're like, well, look at that stiff arm right there. That's just straight power. He just flat backs a middle linebacker. But that's when he committed. He only had 90 carries as a junior. So you're definitely right about wear and tear. Ghouls? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a thing. Wait, I mean, wait, wait. Look at your boy right here. There he is. Oh, um, that's not a good look. That's not a good look singer. If that's what you look like at these games, <laughs> I need a stylist or something. How about the good clips? God. Good God. All right. Continue. Ghouls, be sorry. Oh, yeah. I think wear and tear is a thing. But I mean, at the, if you're a five-star kid in high school, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely a plus. I, yeah. It doesn't move the needle it's that much for me personally. Yeah. But I mean, the only, my, only, my only critique of love, if there is one, he doesn't seem to have like, in again, elite top end speed. Uh, but this is a true running back to me. I think oftentimes we're like, oh, well, we get this kid and he can, he could do this as a slot and he could do this. You know, he, we could, no, just give me a freaking running back. Yeah, and that's give him the ball. Yeah, yeah, give him the ball. Give him the ball. He's, a, yeah, he's a difference maker. So when I was talking to some Notre Dame sources here in the past week about like, hey, who, who can you see? And this is actually ties into a super chat. 
um, from earlier. W- which 23 recruit will have the biggest impact next year? I'm going to give my answer right now, and it's, it's Jaden Greathouse. Not only is he coming in at a position to need, right? I mean, you you don't need to, you know, like some positions, no freshman's going to come in and, and start right away. Like there's not going to be a left tackle that comes in and starts right away. You could be a wide receiver and get a lot of playing time at Notre Dame. Um, and again, my sources are really high on Jaden Greathouse from Austin Westlake. What what I've been saying about him for a long time is exactly what the Notre Dame staff said today, specifically Tommy Reese said, like physically and with his experience, he's coming in, you know, he's polished was the word that Tommy Reese used. Um, so I'm also going to see if, if he has senior season clips that uh, otherwise we will just um, watch a uh, junior tape. But uh, w- would you guys agree with me that, you know, of the Notre Dame recruits, like he is kind of the guy that makes the most sense as someone to play right away. I, I'll jump on that. I, uh, Reese talked about that today. He, he highlighted him and Rico Flores as two guys that are coming from elite high school programs, elite high school coaching. They know how to run routes. They know how to do all the little small things already because that's the level they play out there at those two great high schools, especially Rico Flores. Folsom's a big time high school up there in Northern California. So I would, I mean, these two guys, those two guys just coming where they're from, the reps that they've had at their high school, I would definitely put those two guys 1A, 1B. No, I would I would agree. I mean, Great Great House absolutely has like the lowest floor. Yeah. But it's interesting because it's like what's left? I and mean, you see the kid like in shorts, he's got thighs. I mean, he's like, I don't even know if he needs to spend any time in the weight room. Like it's almost <laughs> like as if, as if he's a finished product. It's true. Um but yeah, great player. It's it's always nice to finally see. Like you go back to like a Colsey, and this isn't a knock on Deion Colsey, but going back from what I can recall, like with his senior film, it was just all goal balls, just deep ball, deep ball, deep ball. So with both Rico Flores and Greathouse, I mean, we don't have like go back. Like, uh, do we have See a that? kid on our Tim? Do we have a receiver not named Tobias Merriweather on our roster that can make that catch? Like that was yeah. an unbelievable catch. Seriously, in between two dudes and just went up and junior, just grabbed it. Just grabbed junior it. film. Junior film, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Is, is his, I mean, his senior film, he's got punt returns this year I've seen online. He's had a heck of a senior year. But, no, you're right. That um, you, see, yeah, you see a kid like this work through the route tree, high level of competition coming out of Texas, yes. willing blocker, super physical, absolutely, absolutely should get on the – Well, that's been the – you know, when you're talking about this year's – you know, early. You know, well, that's the thing with Lorenzo Styles after two years. It's like talented, unbelievable athlete. But when's he going to make a play like that, like that highlight right there, just ball out, go up and get the ball, take over a play where he's just the baddest dude on the on the field. And Notre Dame needs those guys. That's going back mm-hmm. to Great House. Love, you know, these skill guys. There's there's some dudes coming to in the South Bend that, you know, that Notre Dame needs big time. Absolutely. Yeah, great get. Yeah, I want to go through a, a linebacker uh, in, in uh, Jaden Osbury. You know, this I, is – that, this is my wild card. I don't so, get this one. When I talk about Jeremiah Love, right, like this is the kind of guy that Notre Dame needs to continue to hit on. You know, another high academic kid with some shit to him. Jaden Osberry, I think fits that pretty well, Goolsby. I would agree. Yeah, taking him out of Brian Kelly's backyard. Um, I'm with you, though, Tim, on this yeah. one. My first, yeah. my first line here, Tim, on my notes, trust the offers. True. Like, you look at the kids' offer sheet. I don't pretend to know more than these coaches in terms of evaluating film and having access to 
all the intel and data that they do. So I say trust the film. He is an undersized kid. He's going to be a will. Yeah. Um, he's a mean dude. When you watch, he's a mean, mean dude. That's the thing that's like, but he's six foot, 195, 200 pounds. It's like, where does that, where does that get you on the field at Notre Dame? That's, and that's, yeah, that's if, you're, if you're listed, if you're listed at six foot, Tim, are you really 5'11, right? But then I've heard reports that he's like pushing 6'1, six, 6'2 six, now. I, I don't know. Really? The, the size, if he's a little on the smaller side, the size doesn't bother me. I liked his film more yes. the first time I saw it when he committed than I do now. Um, but across the board with this class, I mean, outside of, you know, your, your offensive lineman, you see speed, you see range. Um, and this kid's got that kind of in spades and seems like a really smart, high yes. compete level of kid. That, I, I'll agree. I'll agree with all that. I mean, when I, that's the thing when I watch him, it's like, he is physical as could be. He swarms the ball like crazy. His, you know, that's saying he's got some senior film out there. I've hunted down and, the dude flies like he's he's relentless to the football. I mean, mm -hmm. he gets, I mean, look at his, the final four right here that Mike's got highlighted on. I mean, there's four four defenses that get after it. So he's it's that where's he going to be? You know, where's you know, where's if he is if he is still growing and he's going to be 6'2", 225 or whatever it is down the road legit if he's six foot 200. You know, that's the thing we you know, we don't know officially, but uh Six, he's, two, he's, six he's, foot, six foot two twelve is what Notre Dame announced today, and they're usually they don't yeah, they're bullshit. Pretty that, good. So. so he's like I'm that. Okay, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, man. Uh, I I don't know. We talked. We were we were talking about if, if Notre Dame's going to try and convert to this wonky. Mike, pull up another kid while we're talking. Yeah, I got you. Three, board. But uh, if we're going to try and play in this three three stack defense. Yes. I mean, you can't have a two hundred twenty pound, six foot two hundred twenty pound kid taking on blocks. I mean. Unless he's it, unless it that's Ramirez, he's taking yeah, unless, guys that have hundred pounds on him. Unless that's the Leofow where he's just going to blitz like a son of a gun and use his instincts and, and try and squeeze, but still he's got to squeeze into holes that small. He's he's a heck of a high school football player. His film is outstanding. Where does he fit in Notre Dame? He that that's why I said he's my one wild card in this class where I really don't know. All right, uh, folks, definitely appreciate you joining us and, and sticking around as long as you have. If you're just joining us, make sure you rewind. We I want to talk. So I want to watch some ball, dude. Oh, I we, put some effort into this, Mike. Oh, yeah. We're, oh, no, we, oh, we have plenty. We're going to – yeah, we're going to go for a little bit longer. But just wanted to address, hey, if you're just joining us, we did talk to Brady Quinn earlier in the show. Um, we talked some Peyton Bowen. And um, let's just go through a couple of quick super chats. ND Nation says, does Notre Dame take Peyton Bowen if he changes his mind? I would absolutely. Why would why would you say no, ND Nation? Why would you say no? Because like, your feelings got hurt. Like we said earlier, this By a seventeen-year-old kid. Yeah, it's it's recruiting, man. It's, it's why it's, it's overreaction. Open right. arms, open arms, Peyton. Come we are going down. to go through these these quickly. Um, is any super chats you guys drop in? We're going to go through them quickly because we want to go through these players. Andrew says, should we change our rule around official visits for commits? How can we flip a guy committed to another school who can't afford to fly to South Bend? So basically, Notre Dame has their little policy. If you are committed here, you can't go OV elsewhere. And, you know, to not be hypocritical, it's – and I think it's a strategy play for if you're committed elsewhere, you can't take an OV here. I think it kind of just expedites what is, is likely to happen. Yeah, at least that's a theory. But any thoughts on this real quick, Ghouls? No. 
I mean, it's hey, it's Freeman's policy. Film. Yeah, he's Freeman's policy. Let him do what he wants. He signed a top ten class, so he kind of knows what he he knows what he wants, and he knows the guys he wants to go after, and he doesn't want guys floating around taking trips all over the country. So why waste time? All right, uh, Renee Martinez drops super chat and says, Goolsby, how you define Freeman recruiting is on point. Go Irish." Um, and we're, I'm going to go back to the second part of the super chat, which 23 recruit Isn't will be the that? diamond in the rough. I don't know if you can call this guy. We're about to talk about a diamond in the rough because I mean, he is a, a bona fide four-star player now, and he did have some big time offers, but going into his senior season, Brandon Hillman held one offer North Folk state, and then ended up with North Carolina, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC. So again, I don't know if you can call him a diamond in the rough. Al Golden was asked, hey, where do you see him playing? I've actually said Rover. I said that when we talked about commitment. I could see that as a position. Golden said that today. Made me feel smart, which it doesn't happen too often. But you see him playing quarterback, right? This is offensive tape we're watching right now. I mean, running back, you could play receiver, safety, Rover, Goolsby. Where do you like him the most? Go to go to Tim first. Tim? If, um, I've said since day one, play the kid on defense. Put him at defense. The, the kid is fast as could be. He is his safety film is is physical, violent. I mean, he. I told Goolsby, I was like, he's like Jerome Sapp, who he played with, or Glenn Earl with his height. He's gonna come lay the hat on you. I I love him on D. Notre Dame's got some dudes on offense. Play him on defense. Notre Dame needs more nasty, nasty Xavier Watts, for, for example. Ever since he moved to defense, I know Goolsby and I have had a thousand texts talking about Watts. More physicality at some of those uh, skill positions on defense, and that's where I would play him. Yeah, I want to yeah. skip ahead and see if I can find him on defense, but um, so far it's just all offense. Go ahead, Goolsby. Yeah, I would, I'm more on the defensive side of the ball myself with him, but I could see him being kind of a gadget guy. It's, sure. it's just a kid like this to me that's so athletic, Tim, it's just going to come down to the mental piece. Yes. Which, what sticks quicker? Does – just, just yes. making people miss on offense, and I could see him kind of being a bubble screen guy, make you miss, kind of a Debo Samuel type role for him on the offensive side, and then just what what computes for him the quickest. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. That's what it's to me. That's what it's going to come down to. But that's, um, <laughs> I think that's what he him scholarship offers. That th- I mean, this hit. Yes. Sorry for folks listening on podcast. You got to get over to YouTube. Look at that. That netted him offers. He does it so many times. I just love this guy on defense. And mm-hmm. I love that Golden talked about that today. He is, I'm telling you, man, he's going to play defense. He is physical as hell. I, yeah, if I was a betting man, which I am, Tim, I would I would tend to agree with you. Yeah, just downhill. But it's interesting because you talk about that safety position. Yeah. So it's a lot like Adon Schuler. So much of what you see is him coming down and playing alleys and filling and popping people. But we don't see a lot of him you know, playing cover one, playing cover two, playing over the top coverage. So that's a huge, you cannot put a safety in the game, Tim, unless he understands coverage. This guy understands how to come downhill and crack skulls. He's got that in his DNA, but can we implement the coverage piece? So that, that, that that, will, time will tell. That's the, that's the huge. That's a touchdown, right? I mean, he just gave up a touchdown in a real game with a real quarterback. Um, And again, that's, he's got his eyes in the backfield. So, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Fun, fun kid to watch him develop over the next couple of years. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. 
Well, you know, talking about downhill, that's Ben Minich, you know, the kid out of Ohio, the same thing. I, you know, when he committed, I'm like, yeah, he's a, he looks like a in the box, nickel, dime, strong safety type of guy to me because didn't see him playing over the top so much. But that's Peyton Bowen. Bowen will play deep as deep you want him to be and go roam and make plays or Minich, Schuler, these guys are going to come lay the hat down in the box. So that, if, if somehow Notre Dame and Freeman and these guys could swing Bowen back, because Bowen was the key. Bowen's your deep guy. Bowen's your Hamilton. He's, he's, he's going to just play the whole entire field while these other dudes fill the alleys and knock, and knock hats. So Notre Dame needs that deep, deep safety to just roam. And that's, that's, so that's, that's, my, that's my thing when I'm, when I'm looking at film. You want to see that duality from that safety yeah. position. I love you coming downhill and making plays in high school. I love to see it, but I need this. I really like ideally to see you check that box and coverage. You see it with a Peyton Bowen. You saw it with a Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. So I think that's, that's why I'm Golden thinking. mentioned. I mean, look at the first thing Al Golden mentioned was Rover. He already knows he's an in the box, gonna hit, less teaching. Don't worry about coverage checks. Off if is it a post or a corner route, your ass is in the box. So um, I think they've already kind of figuring that out pretty quick. Someone even talked about with Hillman. Hey, what about quarterback? I mean, I, I did not mention quarterback. That's at least they're going to give him a shot at quarterback. So, hey, why not? He's an athlete. Put the he's, football. He's a hell of a football player. He's a really good football player. Speaking of a hell of a football player who's a really good athlete and plays both sides of the ball, Micah Bell. Yeah. Quite the rankings disparities here uh, on three zone rankings. Him as a three star, whereas ESPN has him high as the number 109 overall player nationally. Um, only a couple minutes of uh, of senior film, but uh, I mean, he had a really good year, but mainly plays running back. Um, so it might be a little bit of a transition for him going full time at corner, but his speed is, is electric Goolsby. Yeah, I think that's that's a theme with this class. I think in Brian Kelly's, you know, when I started really paying attention doing this show with you, Singer, like Kelly always seemed to kind of go for length, right, which is super in vogue. I totally get it, but there was a missing speed element. I think with Freeman's class, you've got kids that compete and kids that can flat out run. And it's just like, like we talk about with like offensive linemen, with, with corners, give me the biggest, best athlete I can get, Tim. Give me the biggest, best athlete at these positions. Fill the room up, and then the cream's going to rise to the top. Um, I mean, he's a that's, that's what I got. We got here. I mean, you know, you're talking about an athlete. I mean, the guy you played with, uh, Vontez Duff. He could play Vontez. Could play running back corner. It's a great comp guy. He actually, yeah, actually, even yeah, he moves a little bit like him. I yeah, can see the that. way exactly a little square. The way he's square. I mean, Vontez. I mean, you played with him. Obviously, he was a stud athlete playmaker that's the other thing is no technique seconds. no technique <laughs> make plays he ran, he ran four three four so it was just like which is my cabell and no you're right and it's like go make plays and that's the thing i mean that's obviously your, your defense was all about playmaking in 02 and it's like that's there's no playmaking you know still in the secondary no ball hawks and thing you know tip passes the swarms all the things you and i have talked so much about so when you get guys with speed all over the place and you have a corner that can run a four, three plays are going to be made just because of the athleticism on that field. Mm -hmm. Kind of talking about big picture with, with this class guys putting you on the spot a little bit, but is there one area that maybe you're not 
it's too fired about maybe a little bit disappointed that hey notre dame didn't do this and then if, or if you want to go the opposite way or, or give me both an area that you, you know notre dame really excelled and exceeded your expectations uh, it, um, either of you have any thoughts on that right away i can jump in sure. i was a little disappointed in the um the tight end class i'm not blown away by Cooper Flanagan I'm just I'm just not and it's just like you know with the with the injury to Eli Raritan who I believe was kind of slotted to slotted in to be the next Michael Mayer that's kind of uh that's sort of up in the air um I'm I'm just always I just feel like us being Notre Dame Tim we can go get pretty much any tight end we want I mean we are a kid in a candy store and I was just like okay I I totally I like Cooper Flanagan but I wasn't wow there was not a lot of wow factor there so that was something I personally was looking forward to, and there's a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my first thing with Flanagan is any, I'm a De La Salle guy, so anytime you get a De La Salle guy, Notre Dame has had not not one De La Salle guy ever showed up to Notre Dame that has failed. But Taylor, right. Derek Landry you've played with, Foskey, it's like, who else am I missing? I mean, you got three major names. I'm De La Salle. I mean, they had, a, they had a safety last year, Barry, who was one of the premier players in the country, went to Michigan. I'm like, how the heck did Notre Dame not offer this guy? So Notre Dame, go to De La Salle every year, pick one. So Flanagan, the thing with him, and Mike could talk about this, is there's some old dog down in Tuscaloosa that just wanted him so bad all year long. Uh, Nick Saban just wanted Cooper Flanagan like crazy. So physical athlete, I mean, he can play D-end as well. So, But, no, I hear what you're saying as far as the, the big-time tight ends. It, it seemed like they really just focused on him pretty early, you know, because he had with the big spring, I think it's seven on seven camps. And you saw him just blow up down there in some of the camp circuits. And, uh, and his, his seven on seven film was crazy. Some of the catches he made. Good football player, I feel. Big kid. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. I just love D. LaSalle, yeah. No, but I, I know what you're saying as far as the mayor. I mean, God, I mean, mayor. You know, but that's also Notre Dame – you know, they really haven't had the high-end tight end really, you know, outside of Mayor. Some of these other guys, Barong, Evans, they're all ranked in the 10, 15 range. Well, Stays that's why I answered, Tim, that's why I answered the question. Yeah, the way I no, did. I hear you. <laughs> it's like, no, no, we, I, could I go, we could go get anybody and we get, we always get guys like they're clones of one another. They're like, they're all clones. I, you know? I agree. It's like, yeah, Rudolph, who was number one. You've had, you know, Komet, Brock Wright, who just scored the big touchdown. Those were the top two tight ends in the country that year. They got in the same class. I hear you. And that's been a little interesting at times with Notre Dame recruitment where they've gotten these guys in the 10 to 12 positional rankings instead of getting the, the elite six foot five freakazoid. I completely agree. Yeah. For me, I mean, when you go through each position, it's, it's, it's really darn good. The, the, the obvious is Viper that Notre Dame lost Keon Keeley and didn't replace him with anyone. Um, You know, at least like with Peyton Bowen, right. Who knows? Maybe signs back to Notre your fifth back Notre Dame. We will see. Um, but if Notre Dame doesn't land him, at least you have two four stars in Ben Minnick and Don Schuler. Like those Tim, guys. Do you play. have a Tim? Do you have a Viper in the class? Uh, and I'm you know on the spot. No, I mean, there's. I think I, I do. Mean, oh God, who's? I mean, when I think Viper, sometimes I always look at the two years. You know, the previous two years. So it's like was Freeman and Golden comfortable knowing? Okay, we didn't get Keon Keeley. Some of these other Vipers Singer had written about already committed to Tennessee, and some of these other guys they started to look out late. So were they – I'm looking at as a coach. Were they comfortable in 
we have Tuyalamaka, we have Burnham, we have Gobira. Are we going to find our next man in out of that 2022 class? So I, I've got a I got a profile pulled up. I think this is where you're going, Goolsby. What do you think? Um, I'm why, Preston Zinter is my viper. There you go. Yeah, Zinter. Fun. Hey Tim, let's get into the film, Mike. Fun comp here, brother. Mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel. Watch the film. Yeah. Let me see. Really smooth athlete. I put abnormally long arms. Like the kid's got vines for arms. Really nice acceleration. Junior film here. Okay. That's that's funny you say that, Goolsby. That's one of the first things I noticed watching him. It's just his, bam, long as to be. Long. Yeah. He's hell of a wide receiver. And then he's played Mike. He's played N. He's been in a three-point stance. He's been all over the place. Very, very athletic. So that's the other thing where – they have these 22, 22 guys. They have these linebackers. That's why I think they're starting to develop this defense out of a 3-3 mindset where that Viper is, is really an inside, you know, is that hybrid backer guy. Foskey, they knew they couldn't do what they really, I think, wanted to do. He's pretty much pigeonholed as that Justin Tuck fourth rusher. They had it. Because remember last year, they put Foskey at Mike in the 3-3. And they're like, what the hell are we which doing? Wasn't, which, wasn't fair, which wasn't fair to Foster. To him. Exactly. And he never I think did with that Zinter, with, with Zinter, you can do a lot more in coverage. Yes. Same uh, thing with Burnham. This is Viper, right? He's playing a Viper. Yes. That's a weak side end stand up. That's yep. There it is. No, you're right. Like, look look how like long. A, that's why I go like a Mike yes. Vrabel. Like Mike Vrabel is not going to wow you with burst or like anything kind of freakish athletic traits, but like, damn, he's really good at pretty much everything on the defensive side of the ball. And hell, he even played tight end. You see, look at, look at him snagging this ball. Oh, wide receiver. He's got I mean, damn, good. that's going back to rankings. Like you watch him. It's like, that. that's not a, it's not a three-star dude, man. He is a hell of an athlete at multiple positions. Well, you said I made that Vrabel comp, not even realizing he was from the Boston area. I, I didn't even we, New England. I love area. it. You say follow the offers. He had Georgia, LSU. Yes. He had a lot of big boys. Michigan. His offer list was crazy. His brother was an offensive lineman at Michigan. Yeah, I'm having a really difficult time picking my Joe Alt for this class. Zinter has been the leader in the clubhouse for a while. Um, (laughs) I I don't know. There's something about this kid. He's going to be really good. Well, speaking of Alt, that that would be my biggest, biggest miss. Obviously, Viper is just a true left tackle. You know, unless they're just once again, you follow back to back classes as you're building a team. Is it Emil Wagner? Do they just that's our guy? Do they love Yeah, him? We need to no. check on Emil and see where's where's that weight at. Right. I mean, is he that's pushing? that's is the he, key. Yeah. You know, he he traveled to the Ohio State. He made the, you know, the two deep for the Ohio State game. Billy Shrouf was the other freshman made it for the SC game. So you got those two freshmen made travel squads this year, which is nice to see. But that's that's the big weakness of the old lines. Fit going back to Goolsby's thing about competition and physicality. Those five guys are mean and nasty as hell. But no, just true, you know, ass kicking, kick stepping, left tackle who could just own that edge. Once you know, if Joe Alt leaves here in the next, you know, nine months, ten months, whatever the heck the time frame is. So, who else you want to talk about, Goolsby? Oh, oh, we could talk about uh, – I have one. I, mean, I, I got Sullivan Absher, ter, ter, Chris Tarek, Schuler. I can name the players. I'll pass I over Minich. Maybe hey. Drake Bowen. Drake Bowen's fun to talk about. Not Drake Bowen? Well, I would love to. 
unless you got you, you know no like, no no we'll go uh we'll talk about my favorite kid in a few minutes in oh who's yours tim jump in oh i mean mine is i mean there's no film you gotta hunt you gotta hunt for this guy's film i brendan vernon is 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 my is my guy he's this is i right, love yeah. this guy he is freaking crazy his interview by the way today i saw the you know, a signing ceremony. I saw it on Twitter. The local news did an interview with him. By the way, he's shaved his head. Uh, he shaved his head. Have you seen it? Awesome interview. I got a text. I'll find it when we're done. I'll text yeah, you. Yeah. He gave this interview and it's just, my God, man, I want 20 of these guys on the football team. He's a stud. Just like, you know, they're trying to, oh man, you're a, this recruit going to Notre Dame. He's like, I don't give a damn. I'm just going to go play ball. It's like, he's all ball. talking about the All-American game and and he's like, well, you know, if the coaches promised you anything, they're like, yeah, a uniform, a T-shirt. And and I, his quote was, uh, I'm going to make these coaches have to play me. He's like, I'm not showing up till June 5th. He says, I graduate June 5th. I'm in my car and I'm moving into South Bend on June 5th. As soon as he uh, gets his diploma, he's on the car, he said, in a few minutes. And uh, he says, I'm going to make those guys play me as a freshman. They're going to see. So what is he? So what is he, Tim? Is he a? Man. Is he a three tech? Is he a strong side defensive end? What is he? He's going to be that wide, the wide side five tech, that wide side C gap player. That's what I see. I think they're going to play him there to start, especially if they're doing this tweak in this type of three man hybrid front with that stand up Viper. You're really only playing three down guys. So I would love to see him playing that five tech so you can move Riley Mills back inside with his size. And I don't know. When, when, I, when I see Brendan Vernon, I mean, you know, one of my favorite players is, um, you know, one of my wife's good friends in college as well as Anthony Weaver. And uh, Anthony Weaver was a tr uh, true freshman starter on that 98 team, you know, that you played with, you know, back in 2000. And I see him being that type of physical, that just grinder, just stud playing the C-gap. Yeah. Uh, Great with the hands. Yes. yes. Weaver, Weaver was a tech, tech, like technical, like whiz. The yeah. first guy that I was ever around where I was like, okay, um, there's like an art to this in terms of. So I started as a true freshman. Yeah. 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 So coaching in the NFL now. Yep. That was sophomore tape, right? That's the most recent that's on huddle. He was probably a, what? 240 soaking wet or something. Now he's close. He's like 290. He's 285, 290, 295, somewhere in that realm. I can see what Notre Dame announced him at today. I just uh, love that he had short hair and a ton of earrings in his ears. He was he was ready to rock and roll. They listen at 6'4", 250, but there ain't no way in hell. So I need to... <laughs> what was that? 6'4", uh, 250. He, he, that, to me, I, I think he could beef up and, and be a force. Um, I think he could be like a three-tech slash nose hybrid guy. Like, I think he's, he, he's a freak. Yeah, he's he's a six foot. I mean, going back to old Goolsby's buddies, he's a six foot four Derek Landry. He's relentless. I've seen his senior film on Twitter and some of the news broadcasts. I've hunted some stuff just to watch some highlights. He is telling you, man, when I saw him uh, well, play yeah, in September, I'm, he is relentless. I'm going with you on this singer because I don't see the damn two miracle. Things, two things, two things. I'll make you right here, Tim. So he basically says, I'm going to make the coaches play me. So if the coaches say, well, hey, Brennan, I need you at 290. Done, coach. Oh, yeah, Done. I'll, do be there and, I'll be there and give me six months. I'll get there. I don't exactly. see the twitch, or like the overall athleticism to play on the edge. 
No, I hear you. So I think he's much better. So if you can get a 290, you know, if he's if he's 250 in that picture and a clean 250, I will make him a little sloppy, get him to 305, and then kick him down inside to a three technique. I could, and then now you've got a really great athlete, a three technique versus a limited guy on the edge. Yes. Uh, no, I mean, but he he's going to play somewhere. I don't even care where it is. I just want to see him. Yeah, I I just I just love mean dudes, and he is mean and violent and. There's one play I think I told Goolsby about. There's I saw on Twitter. It was like fourth and one. Team's going for it. And he literally pushed one entire side of the offense line. They're all foot to foot. And he just bull rushed three dudes backwards, and the offensive guard made the tackle. It's like that's that's the dude Notre Dame needs up front is some relentless, mean dudes right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm upset about this 6'5", 250 listing because I don't think – There's that, no way. There's no <laughs> way. that he This guy right here is not – that he's not 250 pounds. So, Mike, are we saying that in that photo he's 280? I, I, I don't have the rest of the photo, but I'm telling you the dude's massive. So like answer it, the question. In that yeah, photo, yes, I think do he you is. believe he's 280? I, yes. Okay, well, then he can get to 310, no problem. Okay. Oh, he's going to be – No problem. I got it. I got the picture. The full – Yeah, if he's 280-ish or whatnot now, oh, God, yeah. Well, he's going to – yeah, he's going to be – he's going to get in that Notre Dame weight room and all those free mashed potatoes and steaks – He's going to no, be and the thing is, I don't know. Look at, people, that. Look at this. Guy. There's no way he's 250. There's he's no. not only taking the mashed potatoes. You know, he's going to take everyone else's steaks, right? That. I mean, he, he's he is saying, "Give me your steak," and they'll say, "Okay, do you want my? You want some money with me with it yeah. too?" Because he, like you look like a a a, a man child. Like he, he's yeah. If he only weighs 250, he's like five nine in that picture. Okay, that's <laughs> so like. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think I think he's absolutely a, a banger on the inside. Yeah. Oh, love it. Let's go to Drake Bowen. Um, six one and a half, two hundred thirty three pound. Again, I I think just as an overall athlete, he is probably the best. I mean, you talk about him as a baseball player, could play infield, outfield. What he does on both sides of the ball, and this these clips are just defensive. Um, Goolsby, he won the Butkus Award, right, for high school. And I was told part of the reason for that is because he's a 233-pound linebacker, right? That's a little bit of a throwback linebacker. That's not a super modern-day high school linebacker. That's no, yeah, when I, when I showed up to Notre Dame, I was 236, wow. you know? And that so, was, a, you know, hot minute ago. And that's not what linebackers showing up at right now. So that's part of the reason he won this award is because he is – more of a Dick Butkus linebacker than, you know, your traditional linebacker. No doubt. No Order doubt. And, uh, and he's a worker. So if he's 230. Look at that. Look at that. So he's, he's 230 playing both sides of the ball, doesn't come off the field, plays baseball. So once this kid gets a chance to really devote himself to the weight room, might he grow out of the Mike position? I mean, I remember Mickey Marotti, you know, he told me when he was at Florida, they had to kick Tim Tebow just because of Tim's nature you know, you want to compete and be with his teammates, et cetera, lead. It's like, Tim, get the, get out of the weight room. Yeah. You're not going to be able to throw a ball. So it's like yeah. Drake's going to be one of those kids. And I mean that in yeah. the best way possible, but if he's going to show up at two 30 and he's lean, right. I mean, he's got a six pack. It's not like he's got baby fat. So it's like, Drake, you got to be mindful of that. As you go through your college careers, don't, don't train yourself out of that athleticism that you have at, at this point in your career. My comp for him was like, um, he's a way more athletic junior to Yalamaka. 
yes. way more athletic. And yes. he got on the field. Junior got on the field as a true freshman. Yes. No, that's that's. I mean, yeah, that's that's a perfect spot right there. Junior, Junior is a true old school Mike Backer. You know, Drake yeah. is Drake could fly around. I mean, I'm rewatching these films and I'm thinking about some of the the linebackers that were finalists and some of the linebackers ranked ahead of him and in the national rankings. And there's there's not a lot of dudes that run like him. I'm see, I mean, the the Texas kid Hill who Notre Dame had offered. I've seen his film. He doesn't run like Drake Bowen. I mean, this yeah, he can close. He can close. Yeah, you know, I really haven't watched Drake because he's been committed for like five years, and it's like <laughs> I haven't played it. This, I think Drake's on staff actually at this dude, point. This is this. I mean, he is so damn good when you re, when you rewatch him and look at this, look at this. And he's comfortable. Yeah, he's comfortable walked out in coverage. And I'm just telling you, like that little, uh, and that's just you know what I was kind of messaging him on Twitter. It's like, do not change yeah. the way that you play football. Don't change for anybody, you know, and all and that goes for this class across the board. Keep that level of shit to that showmanship. Yeah. Um, do not lose that because that's, right. you know, that level of compete. Like you're not going to beat a, a, an Alabama. You're not going to beat a Georgia unless you bring that type of attitude yeah. to the field. And obviously with athleticism, but don't change. Yeah, no, that fire. I mean, Singer could talk about this. You, you mentioned uh, compete. His team, which I've I've learned about through you know the articles Mike's written about lately, is they play like multiple levels above their pay grade all year long, getting ready for the state playoffs because he's down in the lower one of the lower levels of Indiana. So that's that competitive nature where he's playing five A teams and he's a two A guy and they're winning, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with the way they play. So I, that's just very impressive as I've learned about his his high school the level that he's at and how hard they, they play up a level, which I think is awesome. So you're yep. seeing a bunch of film, not not against 2A talent. These are all upper-level Indiana schools. Yeah, so it's a 2A school, and, yeah, he's usually playing against four, five, six A teams. Yeah. And uh, state champion as a junior, and then this past season, um, they fell in the state title game. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's – I think he was the Gatorade player of the year in Indiana last year. He's probably going to get that again. He's Mr. Football, Butkus Award. I mean – He's everything. When I talk about Preston Zinner, like I want to give Zinter, you know, my he's, this is my Joe Alt for this year. It, it, Drake Bowen's such an easy choice, but it's, it's still hard. Um, it's hard not to pick him because, yeah, he's, he's an outstanding player. We're going to wrap up soon. Um, maybe a couple more players. Goolsby, who, who else did you want to talk about? Oh, I don't – you know, I've got uh, – I think you liked Sullivan Absher, Tim. Didn't you like him? Is you kind of his stance, man? Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I love coaching. I love coaching O line. I just love get seeing guys just getting in three point stances and just like I'm just gonna kick your ass for the next sixty minutes. And that's that's what his highlights are. The scary thing is though, you never seen the guy pass block. So yeah. he's gonna he is gonna be doing a hell of a lot of uh, drills with Watt, whoever the GA is next year and whatnot, uh, kick stepping and a. Uh, punching like mad dog but goes, but hey, yeah i totally agree they got joel ready and he was a tight end so they're gonna go back that. to uh what we're talking about like give me the biggest best yes. athlete you can find and my Look note my first note on him is he's a giant <laughs> like he's, giant. he's a giant um, and he's a little like he, everything's a little, but look, look at the size Holy of the kid. Crap. Everything's a little sloppy. He needs yeah. a couple years in the weight room. Just um, he's an ass, but he is a monster of a, of a human being monster. Well, kid. 
but he's uh, that's going back to one of your statements earlier, Mike. Is a, a bully. He is. I mean, seriously, when we when when Notre Dame first offered him and, and Singer, I remember texting Singer. I was like, "What's the chance? Oh, he's a Southern guy, you know, Clemson, blah blah blah, those types of things." Early on, and I'm just like, "Oh my God, he's my favorite offensive lineman just because just the way he just gets in his three point stance and this, you know, uh, you know, veer attack gets his butt up high and just I'm just gonna fire out and just root you out of the ground." And uh, that's, and that's the I, I was so that's pumped that he committed. He stand has these guys in that, a very similar stance, kind of that yes. right angle. Um, yep. But yeah, he's kind of like I, I mean, he's a little sloppy with the technique. Play, needs to play with a wider base, like kind of stops his feet, yeah, like right there, like he needs to be on the blades of his feet or the insteps of his feet. But I think he's he's a kid that I'm going to kind of oh. quietly be rooting for. Yes. Um, yeah, as he continues to develop, I, I and I had to go back, like I'm watching film with Ty Chan from last year, Tim, like because you kind of. Yeah. You tend to forget about all these old linemen yep. in particular. Most definitely. Um, but boy, do we have a lot of kids like waiting in the wings, man. We got a lot of kids well, that are like, I feel like any of these kids you could be starting next year, save for our tackles. No, you're right. It's funny you mentioned Chan. I was never a, a fan of him. And I uh, was Mike, or maybe I saw the when he went down to the Under Armour game or one, one of those all star games. And he was moved around multiple positions and he was kicking the fanny out of some of these AM five stars last year in the bowl practice. Like, he, oh my God. He also got his fanny kicked a lot. No, um, no, he did. Yeah, but yeah, but he just playing in Connecticut, Mike. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. huge adjustment. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, just, yeah, he was at the Groton School or whatever it is, a little fancy school out here in New England. So big world, but physical. Yeah. But the talking about last year's guys, it's, it's got to be Billy Shrouf, who's just, hopefully, he's all ready to roll. Next year, that guard battle is going to be awesome. I can't wait for spring football. But so, so Billy Shroud, this is a fun comparison. So Billy Shroud, in a way, was a lot like Great Great House this year. He was more, yeah, yep. he's kind of complete as far as technique is concerned. Just get a little bit stronger, but there wasn't a lot of work in terms of the t- the technique of of the position. Would you agree with that, Tim? No, you're right. Just you're right. He was baller. He was so damn physical in high school. I mean, he was ready to go, but he had that injury, you know, in the, with the end of spring or uh, whenever it was last year. So, you know, knocked him out. He wasn't ready for camp. But then, um, you know, Howard Cross mentioned him the other day, just like, hey, you know, who's, you know, what freshmen are good? He's like, Billy Shroff. He's playing his next year. Get ready to watch him. He's a man. <laughs> so that was exciting to hear. Mike, I'm good, man. That's quite a few. You Is there somebody you had, you had ready teed up? No. It's almost two hours. I think, uh, yeah, I think we've scratched the itch of going through some of these recruits, but uh, we've got a long off season ahead of us. So we will definitely talk more uh, about Notre Dame's 2023 recruiting class. So definitely stay uh, locked into blueandgold.com folks um, over the, I mean, not only the next few hours, but the next, you know, day, two days, two months. I mean, wall-to-wall coverage on everything going on with Notre Dame um, football recruiting. And if you like, men's basketball, women's basketball, hockey, baseball. We cover it all over on our website and uh, our YouTube channel right here. Um, you know, all, all the football and football recruiting news we have you covered. Podcast audience, love you, but always like to recommend there's so much more content you're missing um, over on YouTube that we don't um, post on our, our podcast channel. So uh, please do head over to our Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this National Signing Day show. Um, for folks, if you're, if you're still watching, 
Peyton Bowen has not signed with Oregon. We are waiting Fascinating. to see yeah, what that ends up happening. Mike, we're going to land them. We're going to land them. Yes, Tim. You Tim, you, you haven't wavered throughout. We're going to land them. I've always thought they were. I always thought they were going to get them because he never decommitted. He's. I mean, how do you how do you say no on National Signing Day and you've been committed for eleven and a half months? It makes no sense. So. Happens all the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. It too. is recruiting. Hey, it is from your lips to God's ears, but Tim, that logic is awful. I'm just going to oh, be completely man. honest with you. Hey, I disagree, but hey, from from y'all's lips to God's ears. Hey, let me just throw one thing out. Obviously, with baiting it, you know, everyone gets gut punched. You know, you lose great football players. I went back the last 20 years, everybody. The last 20 years, Notre Dame has signed only nine top 10 classes, and Freeman has signed two in a row. He, so nice. keep that in mind as you move forward. And as Mike Singers just said, getting ready for 2024. So I think I think Notre Dame's in good hands when it comes to getting football players now. Get these guys on the field and let's see what happens moving forward. Dennis, appreciate the super chat. Everybody, appreciate you watching, listening, and, and consuming our content here at Blue and Gold. Appreciate you all. And as always, we'll catch you next time. Got it. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.